The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 459 for March 22nd, 2015. T-Mobile announces Uncarrier 9.0, detailed rumors about a TV service from Apple come to light, and Facebook Messenger now lets you send and receive money with your friends. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joy Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. First up this week, AT&T told the FCC that it is making good on progress towards its interoperability on the 700 megahertz band. The project gives the phone the ability to roam between several different bands within the 700 megahertz A block, specifically within band 17 and band 12. AT&T had argued initially against adding support for band 12, citing expenses and interference, but it ultimately reversed its position and has finalized lab tests on a network multi-frequency band indicator, or, or MFBI, in those capabilities. The carrier said that it is well into field testing for their macrocellular vendors and they're progressing well. They're also working with several of its competitors to fully test out the interoperability between the bands. Uh, support for band 12 is important for small carriers such as C-Spire Wireless and also for T-Mobile, which plans to deploy LTE on the 700 megahertz band later this year. According to a statement from AT&T, they said, with recent 3GPP specification changes, it's now possible to build band 17 devices that are upgradable to the band 12 MFBI using software. The devices require different filters and hardware than the legacy band 17 devices, but the requirement has been added to AT&T's device requirements and RFP guidance. AT&T is committed to releasing Band 12 compatible handsets later this year, and beginning on September 30th, half of all new devices released by the carrier will be compliant. It's interesting we keep getting all these these kind of, I don't want to call them odd, but really kind of different technology interoperability standards that we're getting. And it feels like we're almost drifting away from the the standard LTE. And to me, I get kind of nervous because uh, what are we going to be doing for, you know, handsets and, and chipsets? And are we getting really far away from having uh, this kind of the system like where, you know, the iPhone right now, for example, you know, they sell like three models for the entire world. But if we start doing this kind of thing, are we going to need now an AT&T version? Are we going to need, uh, you know, the AT&T North version, the AT&T South US version? What, what is going to start happening here? Because obviously they're trying to squeeze as much as they can out of uh, the airwaves that are limited. And that's exactly what it is. And, you know, we talked a couple of weeks back about the the new chipsets that are going to be coming, uh, the cellular chipsets that are going to be coming to the iPhone uh, in different markets around the world. Intel is getting into the game and taking away some of the market share from Qualcomm. And, uh, you know, things have changed a lot. If you look back 10 years, we, uh, you know, we had a very simple system, relatively speaking, set up where you had two main bands that were being used, the 800 megahertz band and the 1900 megahertz band for cellular calls. Uh, and then data comes along and the amount of data that can be pushed over, uh, you know, over this, this, you know, frequency spectrum is relatively limited. And so they have to pick up different, uh, different sections of frequencies and implement them in different ways. And so now you've got two, three, four, five bands in some cases that are being used by a carrier. And so the, the way that the hardware is designed has got to be 
be obviously specific to that carrier. And we're, we're seeing some really good ones where you've got, you know, 15, 20 different LTE bands, you know, into a single device. But that may not be enough to have a singular device for every country around the world, and every carrier in every country around the world. And so to your point, it's, it is bifurcating even further uh, than what we have, you know, had at one point where it was, oh, do you have a quad band phone? Oh, then you can you can travel around the world to now it's like. You know, do you have a 20-band phone that can travel around the world? It's uh, it's pretty interesting. The good news, though, is that we do have some of the the bands that are relatively standardized. So as an, as an example here in the U.S., the 700 megahertz band for LTE is kind of that, we'll call it the standard band that's out there. And so you've got Verizon using it in certain, uh, you know, for, for part of their network. AT&T is using it for part of their network. Uh, T-Mobile is on its way with some of it. So if you come to the U.S. and you have a device from somewhere else, the chances are if it's got LTE built in, you're going to be able to use one of our networks here in some capacity. It's just a matter of uh, the the how it functions and, and kind of the efficiency and whatnot. And that's where these other bands come in. So uh, either way, AT&T uh, is, like we said, working towards this interoperability stuff. And uh, we'll see some some additional changes here as we go through the rest of the year. Now, T-Mobile on Monday announcing that prepaid customers will be able to enjoy many of the benefits of its Data Stash program beginning on March 22nd. Data Stash allows customers to roll forward any unused data that they have each month rather than allow that data to expire. T-Mobile said it will give its T-Mobile Simple Choice prepaid customers a 10 gigabyte pool of LTE data for which it can start using. Uh, Once they've consumed all that data, they'll begin to roll forward their unused monthly data for a period of up to one year. T-Mobile's prepaid customers will receive this benefit automatically and at no charge if they're on one of those simple choice prepaid plans. T-Mobile also announcing this week its Uncarrier 9.0 initiative, promising to bring down cellular costs for businesses. The company is focusing on small to mid-sized groups, and the attractive price points that they will include are for unlimited talk, text, and one gig of data. Businesses with more than 20 lines will pay $16 per line. Businesses with more than 100 lines will pay $15 a line. And if you've got more than 1,000 lines, you're down to $10 per line. T-Mobile is also offering free mobile website hosting and free Microsoft Office 365 business email to its small business customers. Now, along with that business focus, T-Mobile also promising to keep all of its current promotional rates and plans in place permanently for customers. Promotions that had end or expiration dates no longer do. And T-Mobile also announcing the uncontract, which means they're agreeing to keep customers' prices at the same level for at least two years, promising it won't raise prices as long as you're a customer. Lastly, T-Mobile expanding its carrier freedom program, meaning it will pay all early termination fees, outgoing expenses, leases, and phone payments up to a total of $650 per line for customers who switch over to T-Mobile. Boy, competition is really heating up. Obviously, Sprint came out with this a couple of weeks back. They're essentially saying we will pay for every single penny of the cost that it takes to bring you over to our network. T-Mobile now essentially matching that. And now with these new plans that on the business side, coupled with all of the other plans that they have right now, T-Mobile is really making a, a strong play for for switching over to them if you're looking to to save a little bit of money here. I want to go back to the, uh, the the data stash announcement. This is a big deal. Obviously, they're starting to bring over some of their postpaid programs over to the prepaid side. This doesn't mean all of them. In fact, we've got a question coming up later that we'll talk about more of this as well. But it is a nice step forward for those that are on the prepaid plans. 
Yeah, with T-Mobile, it's kind of weird uh, that the you know postpaid versus prepaid now. Uh, pretty soon, that obviously is going to go away with them because uh, you know yes, you still need a credit check with the postpaid, but the plans are almost almost the same now, except for you're prepaying and you don't have a credit check with the prepaid. So it's really they're they're so similar now. It's uh, uh, to me, I, I look at their plans, I'm like, wait a minute, which ones were prepaid? What's going on here with their plans again? Because you don't con- have a contract, but it's not prepaid and it's kind of confusing still just a little bit oh no it, it really is i mean we talk about and that's why i specified on that that on the data stash stuff it's for those t-mobile simple choice prepaid plans so um if i understand that right that means that something like our, our walmart plan that we haven't talked about in a while but uh that you know thirty dollars for a hundred minutes and five gigs of data would not apply to this because it's not one of those simple choice plans um but there's 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 plenty of options out there if you're looking to uh to, to make the switch you can find something that probably fits uh, what it is that you're looking for pretty pretty well. So lots of uh, changes there from T-Mobile, and uh, especially if you're on the business side. Jumping into some devices, according to a report from 9to5Mac, Apple may soon introduce a new recycling and trade-in program that will accept non-Apple smartphones, notably Android and BlackBerry devices. Now, in exchange for those devices, you get a gift card that can be used toward the purchase of a new iPhone, and Apple retail store employees will... You know, on-site determine the trade-in value of the device, considering both cosmetic and functional conditions, and then issue the gift card right on the spot. The new program is set to begin in the coming weeks following extensive training for the store employees. Apple employees will then be able to transfer address book contacts from the rival smartphones over to an iPhone, but other data will have to be moved uh, manually by customers. Apple originally launched the iPhone reuse and recycle trade-in program in mid-2013 in an effort to encourage upgrades from older iPhone models to at the time, the iPhone 5, 5S, and 5C. According to a report from the Wall Street Journal, Apple planning to launch an online TV service this fall that would support about 25 channels. According to the report, the service will debut on all of Apple's devices, including the Apple TV, iPhones, iPads, and iPods, and would be announced sometime in June, uh, presumably around WWDC, and fully released in September of this year. Industry executives said that the service will be priced between 30 and $40 per month when it launches, and of the 25 channels, the service will be headlined by ABC, CBS, and Fox, and will be available on, of course, all of those various devices. Now, as of today, uh, and again, this is all rumor, but as of today, uh, currently not in talks uh, to make the, the jump over to Apple is NBC Universal, and that's due to a disagreement between Apple and Comcast, which is an NBC Universal, the parent company there. Uh, we also have heard that uh, other networks like Comedy Central, MTV, Nickelodeon, and the Discovery Channel are among those many channels that could be making their way over there. So this is very exciting stuff. It is. So it's very, to me, it sounds a lot like that Sling TV program that uh, it's Dish Network, right? Mm-hmm. That's offering mm-hmm. that where it's basically streaming TV service and you know this uh, dispute with NBC Universal doesn't surprise me at all because guess what you've got a you know competition to the cable uh, you know owns networks so they don't want to share their networks with the competition to their cable so here's another example why this is bad to have your internet service and your you know production companies uh, tied together so another example of the uh, monopolistic uh, huge companies going on here but this does of course represent another you know chip in the iceberg of the 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 stranglehold that you know cable tv companies have on you know providing cable tv service like uh, things other than over the air because this kind of thing allows you to travel wherever you're at and not rely on a big antenna 
Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I, I think about something like this and uh, it, it, it's, it's getting very close to, to making me make the switch. The, the sling service is very close to, uh, to making me make the switch. Um, the, the one thing with, with the, the dish offering in, in sling TV is that you still have to deal with local channels and uh it sounds silly but uh i've gone through a couple of over the air uh or using antennas for over the air service and have not had good success with them based on uh, where i've lived and so i've i've yet to find an antenna and granted this is only having having gone through a couple but haven't haven't not found an antenna yet that i can feel like i can rely on to to pick up those channels and so um in, until we figure that piece of it out i'm not willing to do it uh and so i i like the idea of apple uh, uh, you know, finding its way into this process for me. Uh, but still, uh, I would have to figure out NBC, which again, if I can, you know, figure out an antenna, maybe then that totally solves all of that. But um, I've got really no interest in keeping a cable uh, subscription. I use it really essentially to get HD local channels. That's essentially what it is that I do with it every once in a while. I'll watch one thing or another, but I haven't had ESPN as a, a channel in five years. I haven't uh, really watched, you know, any of the premium programming through an HBO or anything like that in 10 years. It's just it's not stuff that that I seem to care about. Um, but and I know this is not the case for everybody, but uh, but more and more people are looking for things like this. So I actually think this is a is a is a pretty big deal. Uh, and granted, um, part of it is is for the living room and trying to figure out how the living room piece of it works. But then further, uh, you know, for me, at least I, I don't necessarily watch TV on a quote unquote TV all the time. I do quite a bit of it on the iPad. It's probably that my single outside of email, probably the single thing I do most on the iPad is watch video content. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. I mean, for me, it's mostly Netflix, but I, I definitely watch a lot of live TV, uh, uh, especially with the, the, the sling box uh, you gave me, Mickey, that uh, helps me to actually see local news now. Before that, I really didn't watch it, but since my uh, the cable, I've got a, a standard definition cable box that's part of the plan. It's basically, you know, a couple bucks a month extra to have that, so I thought, oh, why not? But uh, that's beyond the point. But, you know, this rumor to me seems like it has a lot of uh, validity because the rumors of the HBO Go really panned out as well. Or no, HBO Now, I'm sorry. And I, I kind of think this is where we're headed with Apple as well because, you know, really the Apple TV is been kind of the it's a real strange device i mean people really really like it. it it provides just an unbelievable simple experience and that of course is what's really always been lacking in in home audio video equipment it's always been too complicated to use for most people and and again if apple can do the you know if, if anybody can do this apple can do this and actually make it easy enough for normal people to figure out how to use it's been a hobby project for many years the original apple tv hardware was was clunky it was uh um i tried it as an example i tried to use it within a, an enclosed cabinet and it, it put off a ton of heat and would, would overheat fairly regularly uh you know and the new one now this this black hockey puck is is fantastic but uh you know with with the recent price drop that we heard at uh, their spring forward event um it, it, there's a ton of rumors now flying that we're going to see new apple tv hardware uh coming out here within the next i would imagine probably a couple of months wwdc is a perfect opportunity to launch that especially with a new apple tv service getting announced uh but i think there's there's a couple of things that they need to figure out with this hardware as well that's going to make it you know faster even more simple to use etc that are going to make it uh, adoptable by more of the mainstream. Absolutely. And, and, and what I really, 
you know, what's really interesting about the Apple TV is, yes, they've only updated it a few times, and especially with this uh, latest version, you know, it's been basically the same. They had a 720p version to begin with, and they jumped to 1080. Then then last year or the year before, they, they added some, uh, what was it, uh, Bluetooth uh, linking capability, a real minor, minor change, and it, it allowed them to do something uh, like where if you don't, if you're not on the Wi-Fi network that the, the Apple TV is actually linked to, a guest can actually connect directly point to point to this Apple TV to do uh, AirPlay mirroring on it. Uh, I'd, I'd need to get one of those for my conference room. But beside that fact, you know, it, it really hasn't changed much. And that stability is actually kind of nice. I appreciate that. Even though I'd love to have the latest and greatest features every year, that that update cycle really does kind of piss you off, especially for home video, because you don't change your TV every year like you do something like a smartphone that you use every year. And that uh, kind of that restrained update cycle, it, it'll actually make me want to buy the Apple TV more because I don't want to have I, I know that that actually will now work for n- numerous years and not be outdated right away. So instead of holding back saying, oh, I don't want this updated version. Uh, because, well, just a year later, it's going to be totally new again. It, it You can actually go and buy that. So I think that an update is probably near because we've seen this one for such a long time. And we definitely need a big bump in processor speed and interface, which, of course, the rumor is that we're going to be seeing actual applications and actual app store for the Apple TV. And I would imagine it's going to be a touchscreen controller or something of that nature to have a better interface with it or or I mean, I've, obviously, the Apple Watch has a built-in Apple TV remote on it, so that could be kind of where we're heading. Yeah, and actually, I would, I will, I will argue that point and say that the re- the remote is going to stay largely the same. Uh, and what's going to actually change is is the remote app that you have on your iPhone or iPad. Um, I, I don't even bother with the Apple TV remote anymore. It, uh, I just use, I launch the app on usually it's the iPad and just do everything from there because it works out so well. Um, but uh, but you know, the long and the short of it is that we've got we've got this set top box that they're going to have to revamp to 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 make this this jump into the living room even more prevalent for people um and uh and i think you know obviously from a you know from a functionality perspective they're they're very close with it and obviously for those of us that uh that use it uh, totally get it uh, you know where it's been and, and i've got a couple of them um around uh, you know, and, and, and over time things have changed a little bit, you know, so the first the first generation hardware was was really customizable. Uh, you could go in and you could install other types of software on. It was actually kind of a, a hacky box that you could you could do some interesting stuff with. Uh, and then the second generation version, the hockey puck comes out. And the first the first generation of that, so I guess they'll call it that would be the second generation Apple TV. Um, is still jailbreakable to this day, and if you go online, you can you can find these things, but they're really expensive because people like to install third party software on it and stuff. And and uh, and I happen to still have one of those. I don't use it for that kind of purpose, but uh, they're very um, uh, you know they're they're they were very I would say kind of like this niche underground type of thing, and now they've become what they are today, which is very mainstream or at least more mainstream. Uh, I know a lot of people with uh, with Apple TVs, but we still have a couple of things to go with that. Obviously. To Joey's point, seeing an app store on there would be very interesting, um, you know, so that you don't have to do the the push from your what your device over with the AirPlay mirroring and stuff like that. You could actually have those apps. I would love to have a a Sling Player application on there for purposes of uh, watching remote Sling players uh, or something like that. Or the Sling TV, as an example, would be a good app. 
Yeah, exactly. In that case, you kind of have to have a Roku to do that. Right. That's where the app is for it, uh, for those uh, devices. Yeah. So uh, new Apple TV hardware, new TV service potentially coming. So some interesting stuff there this summer from Apple. Microsoft on Thursday announcing the Lumia 430. This is an entry-level smartphone featuring a 4-inch WVGA screen, a 1.2 gigahertz Snapdragon 200 processor with 1 gig of RAM and 8 gigs of storage. It will have a 2 megapixel main camera and VGA user-facing camera with a 1500 milliamp hour battery. The Lumia 430 runs Windows 8.1 with the Denim update installed and will be updated to Windows 10 later this year. The Lumia 430 supports dual SIM cards and costs approximately $70. One thing about this uh, hardware, even though it's low, kind of, you know, it's 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 cheap, but it's got a, a, a really good processor with quite a bit of RAM. So it's uh, not that bad. And, and my wife's got a really, really inexpensive uh, Lumia. I think it's called a 530 and it's a quad core processor. Things great. It was like seventy dollars, uh, you know, full full, you know, full price at uh, Best Buy. And it's uh, really a, uh, actually a pretty darn nice smartphone for that price. Oh, and, and I mean, it's absolutely it is. And, and you know, it's it can run all of the Windows phone apps and all of that. And, and you know, it depends on what it is that you're going to use your phone for. And, uh, you know, there's something about having the functionality of, uh, you know, iMessage and uh, all of that stuff that goes across all of your different devices. But at the same time, if you're not willing to spend the $600 or sign up for a contract of it, then, you know, heck, grab one of these devices and it's going to work just fine for you. There's plenty of good Android devices out there as well that are sub $300. So, uh, you know, a sub $100 phone is very interesting. So uh, either way, some uh, some good stuff here with the Lumia 430. HTC on Tuesday announcing uh-oh protection for the 1M9. This is a program that will provide owners with a free replacement device if the M9 is damaged. Uh-oh protection comes with the M9 automatically and customers won't need to sign up for it. The service is limited to the U.S. and under the terms of the program, HTC providing free replacement devices if the M9 suffers a broken screen, water damage, or if the customer chooses to change wireless network operators. The one-time replacement is available during the first 12 months of ownership. M9 owners who do not take advantage of the protection plan at the end of 12 months will receive a $100 credit towards the purchase of a future HTC One handset. It is a uh, the program is an offshoot of the HTC Advantage program, which uh, HTC used to offer free screen replacements to the One M8, One Mini, and One Max. Also from HTC this week, the One M9 will begin shipping uh, April 10th uh, to U.S. Uh, to carriers around the world. U.S. carriers haven't said when their individual variants will go on sale, but they should be available soon after that April 10th launch. On the software side, Google on Tuesday making changes on how it operates the Play Store, adding an age-based rating system to the uh, the process. Moving forward, developers will need to fill out questionnaires for their apps and games to receive obje- objective content ratings. The questionnaire covers ratings for the, n- the number of standards, bodies, and territories, so apps and games will be rated appropriately for individual markets. Google is asking developers to fill out the forms for their existing apps and will mandate all apps be rated starting on May 1st. Google has also added a human component to app reviews. And even with uh, people looking at apps, they say they will still expect uh, apps to be approved within hours of submission. Well, you know, with the number of people that Google employs, they should be able to uh, approve them within hours. And and this is sorely long overdue for for Google because the the amount of malware that's been allowed into the the, the Play Store it's uh, it's such a joke in in, in the, the clone apps when you go into the Play Store if you don't exactly know what you're looking for and and, and really really know what you're trying to get 
the 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 bad stuff the the imitation apps are just there's hundreds of thousands of them and it's it, it's such a disaster I, I it really really irritates me yeah it's the wild west of app stores for sure but uh, either way google's starting to clean that up here with these changes they're also releasing updates to some of its software this week including docs sheets and slides for android devices uh, this will help make them easier and more useful the latest version of google's productivity suite makes it uh, easier to view and edit documents on mobile devices Primar- uh, primarily documents have less chrome and other tools surrounding the main text which makes them easier to read if you want to edit the doc uh, you can easily recall the editing tools by tapping the blue pencil icon docs sheets and slides are free downloads from the google play store now as an aside um, um, I use Docs quite a bit um, on the iPad for editing uh, everything from personal documents that I have to the show notes that we work on each and every week. And uh, I will tell you that, uh, at least for the iPad, I feel like the uh, this version of the application is has jumped leaps and bounds as far as functionality lately. Um, and things are updating uh, and syncing much better Um Long and the short of it is, is that they've just they're dialing it in even more, and I appreciate that. Uh, but these new updates uh, this week were for Android devices specifically. But if you haven't uh, used uh, any of these for the iOS side in a while, they are much better than they used to be. Google this week adding support for Android Wear to its Android device manager tools. Users now will be able to locate their lost Android smartphones by asking their watch to find it. Smartwatch wearers can also use voice search or the menu choice to locate a lost phone, which will ring at full volume when prompted. Android uh, Google will support uh, Android Wear uh, over the next few weeks. Finally from Google, Android Auto became available for the first time uh, this week through the Google Play Store. Android Auto is a platform for connecting the car-based infotainment systems and Android smartphones to each other. Android smartphone owners will be able to access navigation, calls, messaging, Google search, and their music through the car's screen rather than through their phone. Android Auto is available in select head units from Pioneer and will be soon available in select cars. The app is free to download but requires Android 5.0 and higher. Google uh, also created a section in the Play Store highlighting third-party apps that are compatible with Android Auto. In other software news, Facebook this week introducing a new way for people to send and receive money with each other through its Messenger application. Users need to add a Visa or MasterCard to their Facebook account, after which they'll be able to send and receive money to friends and family. According to Facebook, payments are processed immediately on the sending side, but may take a day or two to process on the receiving side, depending on individual bank policies. Sending money is free of transaction charges, and Facebook says that users can set up pins to protect the service, and Apple device owners will be able to use Touch ID to secure the service. Sending money is possible from Android, iOS, and web versions of Messenger. Now, sending and receiving money electronically is nothing new. We've been doing it uh, over PayPal now for a decade, it seems. And uh, this is just yet another way to do so. But I think what's different here is that the number of people using Facebook and using specifically then Facebook Messenger is much higher than, let's just say, the number of active accounts that uh, that are out there for PayPal. So the question is, uh, is this something that actually is going to take off? And are you going to feel comfortable with it? And Joey, I know you're not the biggest Facebook person, but uh, but how do you feel about doing something like this? If you've got a let's just call it a family member who wants to uh, to send you some money. Would you use this service? You know, I suppose I would if I use Facebook, because why not? Right. I mean, PayPal works. But if you don't have an account, it's kind of a pain to get set up. And it's just 
you know, I don't know. They take a, if you've got a if you've ever sold something on eBay, you then have a business account where it's then taking a percentage off the top. So it's uh, I suppose. Well, I suppose if you gift it, then it's OK. But, you know, I, I, if they make it easy enough, why not? Right. Because it's just, uh, it, it's, you know, actually sending money to somebody requires basically a check if they're not like close by where you can hand them cash. It, it's so much easier. Yeah, I I'm I think this is a big deal. Um, I'm not sure if the if it the velocity of it will show in the next couple of months. Like this is a, a big thing now, but I think long term it's gonna. I could see this as being one of the top ways to send money, just because how big Facebook is. But uh, then again, I say that, and I also look at the number of uh, of people that are not using Facebook, especially in the the younger generations where they've moved on to things like Instagram, and uh, so may, maybe it's not as big of a deal as I think it is. Well, one thing where it would really be interesting is. Is what happens uh, for international um, transactions, you know, sending money out of the country. Obviously, there's a lot of rules and regulations surrounding that. But if they can start kind of working through that, you know, companies like Western Union would be really affected and it could really change, you know, actually do some major changes uh, to the way that, you know, kind of the global economy kind of works. Because uh, like here in the U.S., a lot of people send money back home to their families in different countries. And it's a it's it's actually a really big business. I just thought about something as I was thinking about kind of how this is going to work. Why don't we have Apple pay at ATMs yet? Why do the banks not let you just tap your phone on an ATM, use you know your Touch ID to authenticate, and and then you're into your your program. It doesn't make any sense now that you can do it at a terminal. No, because you've uh, you know in many cases you have your debit card actually as the card. But I think they're still using the credit card network to do this. So I think that's why, and not the ATM networks. I think they're separate. So that's probably why we don't have that yet. But we 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 should be moving that direction because that's. Uh, a major convenience and obviously security around ATMs is a big deal right now with the skimmers and the and, and all that crap. Yeah, it's exactly what I'm thinking. Uh, maybe we'll see it someday. I mean, we'll have to see this someday. It's ridiculous that we don't have it now that I'm thinking about it. But I was thinking about how Facebook could do this, and if you could set it up so that you've got a Facebook account that has cash in it or gets pushed, you know, pushed out to something. You know, if they can then use the phone and not actually have a physical piece of plastic card. Uh, to be able to use the phone to then go to ATMs and pull out the cash that way. This is a, an interesting proposition. Say you're traveling and, and you need to get somebody to send you some money because you've had an emergency. They could Facebook you some money. You can go to an ATM. You touch your phone on the ATM, authenticate with a touch ID. You get the cash out and you're ready to go. Yeah, wasn't, isn't uh, some foreign countries actually do that, right? The, isn't the money stored on the, the, the chips on their phones? Uh, th- th- that's, yeah. that's been around for years, I think. Yeah, well, it's it seems novel and different and just something we don't do. So I, I don't know. Either way, Facebook, money, you can send and receive it now through Messenger. Uh, Microsoft has also made it uh, possible for people to access their personal music collections from OneDrive across their Windows devices uh, with Xbox Music. The new music folder has been added to OneDrive, and any mu- music stored in that folder will be available in users' Xbox Music apps uh, for Windows 8.1 and Windows Phone 8.1, as well as the Xbox 361 and via the web. The OneDrive music service doesn't require a Microsoft Xbox Music Pass, but customers who do have that pass will gain an additional 100 gigabytes of OneDrive storage for their music. 
Questions and comments this week. First up is a comment from Dominic. He says, hey, guys, this is Dominic from Oklahoma City. I received the Nexus 6 5.1 uh, Lollipop update. Uh, now that the f- now the phone feels even more fluid and smoother than it did before. After doing some searching, uh, it appears that Google has turned on full quad core mode on the device. VoiceOver LTE was enabled as well, and uh, I watched the Apple event uh, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, while the watch does look nice, it does... Uh, does some of the features uh, that my watch does now, though I am jealous that Apple Pay works through the watch. I would love to see that feature on my Moto 360. Love the awesome show, guys. Keep it coming, Dominic. Well, Dominic, thanks very much for uh, for the updates there on uh, on how your Nexus is working and uh, with the update. And of course, yes, uh, Apple Watch, uh, more to come with that one within the next couple of weeks for sure. Uh, finally, today, we've got a question from Bill. He says, uh, Mickey, Bill from Central New Jersey here. I'm in the process of choosing a prepaid plan. I'm switching jobs and my new employer does not offer business plans. Having had my bill paid for me in the past few years uh, has had me pay less attention to the best value in mobile until lately. Uh, I'm currently on Verizon, but I'm strongly considering T-Mobile considering all of their uncarrier initiatives with the $30 100 minute plan that includes five gigs of data uh, it seems like a great option but I'm a little worried about the low amount of minutes I use an iPhone 6 plus so I could probably get around the minutes uh, with other services thinking maybe Wi-Fi calling or FaceTime audio but do those uncarrier initiatives apply to this plan and if not what plans would you recommend with cost and data in mind I'm pretty sure uh, all the major carriers have decent coverage in my area Thanks, guys. Love the show. Keep up the great work, Bill. Uh, so let's let's clarify one thing here. Um, the uncarrier stuff uh, is not part of the prepaid plans, like uh, like you're saying here. So as an example, the uh, the Wi-Fi calling uh, and the FaceTime FaceTime audio certainly would work for you, but uh, but Wi-Fi calling would not negate the use of minutes. Uh, so uh, on the prepaid plan, you're going to need to make other types of arrangements. FaceTime audio is uh, a good a good way of doing that. Um, but one of the ways that I would say to make it easier is to use Google Hangouts and make calls uh, using that application over uh, the Wi-Fi or cellular networks. Uh, and then, of course, using that number that you have through Google on there. Uh, if you plan it right, you could actually have your main number go through Google and uh, and then just grab some generic number to, for the number that uses your minutes. And then all of your calls uh, get sent and received uh, over data. Or you could even push those calls over to the cellular network if you want to just by simply adding that phone number. Uh, but it would make it uh, much easier to do if you decide to do something uh, where you've got a low number of actual voice cellular network minutes. Exactly. And, and also, you know, I recommend going back if you can through your bills and see how many minutes you're using each month. And if you use substantially more than 100, then, you know, you, you, you know, you do, it does take some dilly dallying and you do have to deal with, you know, drops because if you, if you change networks, your, your phone call will probably drop. And if you do, I wouldn't say business type calls, or if you do more important style calls that are longer, uh, you know, that you can burn up those hundred minutes very quickly. Uh, but if your vast majority of your minutes are used, like talking to family members for a long period of time at once, if you're just at home, then, you know, doing something like this with the, with the lower minute plan is probably okay. So you really have to kind of think about the, your usage of, a, of the phone. Uh, and, and what you need those minutes for, because those hundred minutes could it, it can be a real big pain uh, when you run out of those. Yeah, indeed. And uh, and I would like I said, you may even want to, um, you know, do some some testing beforehand to make sure the process of making and receiving calls on Hangouts is going to be acceptable to you. Um, you know, it, it's not perfect. Um, there are issues that can come up with it from time to time, um, you know, and, uh, and and especially if you 
choose Google Voice, install Hangouts, and then forward your number to uh, your Google number to your normal number. Uh, a phone call comes in, the phone rings, and Google Hangouts rings, and so you've got lots of stuff going on on the phone. And it can be confusing at times, um, but uh, either way, it it may be worth uh, worth it to you if you've got good enough service to uh, to try and do that over data. Uh, we've had uh, you know tests in the past of using the service, and uh, you know I I can tell you you know positively and negatively some of the uh, the experiences that uh, both I've had and some of our listeners have had with using these types of services. So. It all depends on what it is that you're going to be doing, but uh, you know, yeah, if you're if you're someone who can use some of the the services like FaceTime audio because you're talking mostly with iPhone people, then sure, why not? Check it out. Uh, maybe you can save a ton of money here, and thirty bucks a month is uh, a very reasonable uh, you know price to pay for a for cellular service. So it uh, it absolutely could work out for you. Um, that said, uh, we have, uh, if you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Get in touch with us by sending email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com. Or if you have voicemail, you can, uh, just record it on your iPhone, your computer, your Android device, whatever it is, and email that to us as well. And we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.